Did you know that 9 out of 10 UK shoppers will abandon a store using US dollars? I did not know that. Did you also know if someone leaves your store to use a currency converter, two out of three won't return? Well, that doesn't sound good. Not showing prices in customers' local currency might be one of the biggest contributors to your bounce rate. What do I do? If you ship internationally, a multi-currency app is an absolute must. Okay, which one should I get? Well, the folks at Bold make the best multi-currency app out there. What's so great about it? It auto-detects where your customers are shopping from and then shows them their correct local currency so you don't lose them in the first second that they load the site. How? It syncs in real time with a currency database, so it's always up to date. Can I adjust those rates? If you set it to sync real-time rates but want to pad that conversion by a few percent to net a little extra for yourself, you could do that too. What else can it do? It optionally supports vanity pricing, so if you wanted all your prices to end in, say, 99 cents, it could do that for you as well. Sold. How do I get it? Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their Bold multi-currency app free for two months. Just go to curdelster.com slash bold to install it and claim your exclusive offer. That's curdelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup. And it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Julie sent me a meme that said, she said, is this you? And this woman wrote on Twitter, My son got his report card today, and academically, he did well, but his teacher wrote a note specifying, quote, He needs to use kind words with friends. I asked him about it, and he said, My friends are dumb, and they need to know. <laughs> so maybe I don't always suffer fools gladly. Mm. I'm working on it. Yes. Also, describing memes on a podcast, truly the next frontier. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that you said... The next frontier. I got, let's see, do I have anything for you for that? I got Make it so. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> That's Make the so. final frontier. I've been, we've been rewatching Star Trek The Next Generation because we got CBS All Access. You know, now that it's like pandemic and we've beaten TV, there's nothing left to watch. I'm just trying like different ridiculous streaming services. It's felt like we got, we cut cable. We got rid of cable TV and instead I just pay for gigabit internet. And now if there's like eight streaming services I got to pay for. At what point do you just go back to cable? Well, the problem is the exclusives. And like... The oh, stream- so I can't? Well, I mean, I think about my entertainment budget. I also subscribe to pretty much all the streaming services. And, but given my entertainment budget is that, and like computer games, it's really not that much. It's like, well, you, how much do you spend? Do you spend... 50 bucks a month on streaming services. It's like, yeah, I also don't drink very much. And there's obviously no restaurants to go to. So what do you want me to do? Okay, well, I order out a lot and drink too much. So yeah, HBO Max has a ton of movies on it.
What's with the deal with HBO and all these streams? There's how many streaming services has HBO had or need? Well, there was HBO Now. HBO Go. HBO, HBO Max. H- well, they Go and Now are done. Okay. Now there's just Max. Oh, all right. So that eliminates some of the confusion. Listen, are you going to buy the Xbox One S or the Xbox One S Plus or the Xbox X Plus S? Because I don't even, even, I pay attention to video games and I don't even understand this shit. <laughs> All right. So, let's <laughs> go nowhere fast. On the. We're boring these people. I've, I got, I got nothing. Just the soul crushing monotonous that is. Uh, monotonousness that is surviving 2020. That's all. That's all we got. All I'm down to. But I did. Actually, we'll save this for later. Okay. So we've got. Uh, what are we talking about today? This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Wait, we need to do this right. Unofficial Shopify podcast. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about authenticity in brands. That one just what? Stop it. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm your host, Kurt Elster, joined by my co-host, Paul Rita, who did a wonderful job playing Fezzik in the Princess Bride live stream. Thank you so much. I was so impressed by that. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> wow. It's like he's right there with us. I'm so impressed. Um, I did watch the Princess Bride live stream. I enjoyed it, but it was quite Yeah, the- you texted me about it, and I was just like, hey, who plays Fezzik? And you're like, I don't know. Who the hell's Fezzik? Because you don't see cultural touchstone movies. No. That's uh, a a strange, very strange part of my uh, childhood upbringing. I did not realize was weird until I was an adult. I remember, I remember, I made like a very obvious Wizard of Oz joke to you like five years ago, and you were like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, <laughs> "The Wizard of Oz," and you're like, "Is that a movie? I've never seen it." We, you had no clue. Pop culture was resisted in my house. And I have no, <laughs> really, not sure why. And how that came to be, but it was. So, and I was just like, oh, and I also did a thing. I, I said something about this is not my beautiful house. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, talking heads. And you're like, who are talking heads? Like, you just, you have no cultural knowledge whatsoever. <laughs> no sports knowledge, no cultural knowledge. You're just a weird business monster who Correct. has no feelings. <laughs> I, 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 I worked and developed feelings uh, <laughs> starting around 2015. Yeah. I, I, Prior to then, though. Probably no feelings. Yeah, I'd give you that. So the we're discussing a series of, of largely disparate issues on the show, but the the running theme is authenticity in branding, authenticity in your in your brand. And uh, along that topic, we're going to discuss authenticity. We're going to discuss an idea that you could borrow from from sneaker culture if you're a hype beast like uh, I occasionally am. We're going to talk about uh, Nicola Shinola Madewell. Uh, some wild things in the news that you may have missed. And we got, uh, we had to mention uh, quite a few things as we go into Q4 here, including our new page speed testing tool and some, some other items that are coming up on the, the podcast as we wrap up 2020. It's crazy to think about. 2020 has been, been a wild year in which it seems like it has been gone quite a long time, but also like it was just March. I can't keep track of time anymore. Um, and then finally, we'll wrap it up by tearing down the Shinola Detroit watch store. At least I think that they largely sell watches. Maybe they have other stuff. Uh, no, they're, they're not watches. They're just a lot of random disparate crap. Oh, really? All yeah, right. that goes into their whole story. Okay, <laughs> we'll save it then. Uh, some housekeeping items. Uh, 
Black Friday's around the corner, so we got some some good episodes. Uh, Ari Baga is going to tell us about SMS. I got Kurt Bullock lined up to tell us uh, how we should configure our Facebook ads going into Black Friday. And Ezra Firestone will be back to run us through what he's going to do to have his his best Black Friday ever yet again. And the our holiday email guide, I put it back up. It's available for sale, so people have started buying it. It is still the 2019 version. I'm going to update it for 2020, and it's going to include an updated timeline, or new dates, of course, for 2020, and 2020 specific considerations like logistics and this darn election that is just going to torture me with anxiety until it's over. Um, so uh, you could buy it now, and you'll get uh, lifetime updates every buy, buy it now for 29 bucks, and I update it every single year. You will get the update for free. Um, I've We've been doing it three, four years now, and those people have all gotten the updates. Yeah, that's like not good business by us. No, not at all. Yeah, that's we, just we idiotic. really should like stop thinking? giving people free content every year. <laughs> well, the podcast is free. The sponsors pay. We for sell it. ads on it, so yeah. We're so, uh, oh god, the audience is the product. I'm no better than Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh no. Speaking um, of not being better than Zuckerberg, <laughs> financing options. No. No. <laughs> uh, oh, and lastly, okay, kind of exciting. And uh, the native checkout integrations, it, this is totally unofficial, off the record, but it r- looks like those native checkout integrations are rolling out soon-ish. You know, where, like previously, a subscription app like Recharger, Bold Recurring Orders, or um, uh, Ezra's Zipify one-click upsell had to replace your checkout in Shopify. And as part of that, like yeah, it could create reporting issues. It, it, it can mess with um, various payment options. It's kind of a pain. It would be better, ideally, for everybody if those things, those apps could work in your native Shopify checkout. Oh my gosh, that's coming. We're going to be able to, we'll get that. And yeah, they announced that a while ago. But now they, when did they announce that? Um, 2018. That's in the... May or June 2018 that got announced. That's in the I'll believe it when I see it category. I'm... I'm quite convinced we, my bet, and this Whoa. is again, unofficial. My bet is this, the, uh, all this get will be available in time for Black Friday. Do they want to screw with everyone's checkouts before Black Friday though? Maybe it's like limited beta or it's like, okay, here are the people who are allowed to do it. And it's like, all right, you can't, if you're an existing, you can't migrate, but if you're already on it or if you're, you want to jump into it and start fresh, I don't, at this point I'm just making stuff up. Yeah. I'm just guessing. Uh, so, but I mean, if that's a thing, if you're, okay, so the, the action item is if you were like thinking about setting up a subscription system for the first time, like this week, wait, you, you probably, probably want to wait. Yeah. Just like, wait, see what happens, you know, or if there's any announcements, at least keep your ear to the street. (sighs) I think it'll pay off. Uh, and let's see. Ooh, uh, I, there's a, a question that was posted in our Facebook group that seems to be a recurring theme, and it's been posed to me by, um, by all kinds of people. Actually, even Ezra Firestone we asked me once uh, about this. And the question is, are you looking it up? I'm looking it up. Okay. We bring this up not to pick on the person that asked the question because this question get asked, it's a, gets yeah, asked it's a common all the question. time. It's very common. Um, but they were talking about you know all of these buy now, pay later apps that people have on their stores. Sezzle, Klarna, Afterpay, Afterpay, Quadpay. Yeah, and he says, it doesn't sit right with me. I'm getting asked to do this by people and like they're getting refused. And I, and he means I, his customers. He means his customers. Or asking him to add this financing option and financing options to their stores. And he's just like, I'm just helping them get even deeper into debt. And like, I need to control 
I mean, and the thing, the implication here is the customers are making bad choices, obviously, and I should not allow this in order to not allow them to make bad choices. So the argument is don't let people buy thing, buy your stuff. As a merchant, I have a responsibility to my customers. And where does that responsibility end? And I've got, or I have guilt that I know that I assume that if they are asking me for multiple financing options, it's because they don't have the cash to buy my stuff. Yeah. Hey, cash is king. Like I, if I, I will, when I have plenty of cash to buy something two, three times over, I'll still finance it. I want the cash flow. Yeah. And these financing options, they're like zero interest, right? Many are zero percent. Yeah. So and it's not like, you know, I'm my hundred dollar good is a 60 month financing yeah. at like 4%. No, it's zero percent over four payments. I mean, these are actively better for the end consumer than credit cards. Oh, credit yeah. cards are what? 22%. Mine's like 22, 24. My best, my lowest credit card interest rate, 10 and a half percent. And, but most of them are like 15 to 20. Yeah. And so this idea of, well, if I offer them Sezzle, they're just getting even deeper into debt and I'm and they're too dumb and I need to take care of this for them. If you actually felt that way, stop taking credit card payments. That's the catch is, yeah, if you don't like the financing options, fundamentally, you really should not be accepting credit cards. Like if that's the moral argument. And whenever we say this to people, it always immediately shuts them down. And they're like, oh, well, I'm not, not going to do that. It's like, oh, I thought you were the king of morals. But all of a sudden, when we when we show that you're not the king of morals, uh, well, never mind. I guess it wasn't that bad anyway. Well, I think no one their credit cards are just such a part of American life that you wouldn't think twice of that. You don't think twice about it. Yeah. Versus, um, you know, these, these financing solutions are really quite new. And so I think that's part of it in this particular instance though. So I, I, we've had this conversation separately with multiple people many times. Um, but in this particular posters defense, I, he had a screenshot of a website. Oh, that they offered had, three different They had ones. three different financing options. And then he inferred, like, well, if you get declined for one, you go to the next. If you get declined for that one, you go to the next. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's simply um, people who use those, once you're already registered on one, it's just easier to use to keep using that one. So I think it was really, hey, we're just offering you multiple options. Um, and as an inbound traffic strategy, Many of those financing solutions will be like, hey, here's all our merchant, like a searchable list of our merchants that accept this. So if this is your preferred payment provider and you're looking for an item, okay, here's the list. But also note on that page, the items he was showing were $20 pieces of clothing. So if you're like, these people are wrecking their financial futures, it's like, it's 20 bucks, dude. Yeah, make it four $5 <laughs> payments at 0%. Yeah. Um, and what we have found with those financing options is they tend to work better in stores with average order values under a hundred dollars um because like over a certain amount the financing uh, people don't want to deal with it and the um uh and the consumer's more likely to just use a credit card um but no i don't uh i have no ethical or moral issue with these finances well and i think it's i think it's frankly unethical to I mean, if you can somehow concoct a universe where you're like, well, I need to make sure that these people can actually afford, afford this. It's like, who the hell are you? Like, who do you <laughs> think you are? Yeah, certainly, you know, at, at no point was Tesla like, look, can you afford this car? Well, and I was, with cars, they do a credit check on you because they're giving you a giant loan. 
If yes. you come in and pay, I mean, that, that even, they don't want to lose their loan payments. That's different. Well, and with these financing options, I don't think there's any recourse if you don't, like, if you just drop the payments. It's not like they can come, they're going to repo it. Yeah, they're not going to come get their $20 What, t-shirt. they just, like, hit your credit or something? I, truthfully, I, I'm sure it, it, it changes depending on which solution. But I, I remember hearing, and I, I could be wrong, take this with a grain of salt, um, that, when it's four payments or less, that does not require um, credit reporting. Mm. And that's part of why they're all four payments or less. It's because it streamlines the entire process, but does so like at the risk to the financier. So again, another point in favor of yeah, these it, financing solutions. You know, we're just talking about now, you know what it makes me think of? Pizza today. What's pizza today? Remember the oh, <laughs> pizza today. All right, tell them the pizza today story. So my, uh, I love industrial magazines, which is like niche magazines for a very specific market. trade publications. Trade publications that no one would outside of the trade. And it's all just full of like weird inside lingo and yeah. like problems. Um, and these things really exist so they could just build a list of a very niche industry. So my brother works in the restaurant industry and he he's is a, a Coke dealer. He's a Coke dealer. Uh, he sells Coca-Cola. He sells Coca-Cola. But he... Um, he had a copy of a magazine laying around called Pizza Today, which is which is the official magazine of pizza place owners. What it, was the infamous op-ed piece in Pizza Today it wasn't that we read and I'll never forget? It wasn't in the op-ed section. It was in the letters section. Okay. A guy was like, what do I do? Because he was mad because he, you know, he slaves over his pizza that he makes for people. And then these fucking hooligan Visigoths take... <laughs> the dilettante pizza eaters. Pizza eaters take the red pepper shaker and the Parmesan cheese and the oregano shakers and shake it all over the pizza that they bought. And what were they thinking? They destroy his flavor profile. My flavor profile! And he can't stand seeing it. He just can't stand it. So what should he do? And he was thinking about maybe getting special tops where the holes are too small, <laughs> where it requires too much shaking to get out too much, so that people eventually give up and don't wreck the pizza he just sold you them. You just ruined my flavor profile. <laughs> Ignoring that taste is subjective. Well, and so the answer is, you sold them the pizza, asshole. Your job is to sell them the pizza. Then they eat the pizza, and they get to eat it however they want. Yeah, now that I own the pizza, I get to do with it what I want. And so that's, your job is merely to sell the pizza, not control how they consume it. In this case, your job is to sell them the bralettes on your store, the store in question here, like the underwear. Like, your job is to sell them the underwear, not determine how they pay for the underwear, not question their finances for the $20 piece of underwear you're selling them. Just sell them the underwear and ship it to them. You got enough to worry about. At the same time, I, I do, I appreciate the the empathy and the responsibility taken there. But you know, ultimately, just because of the insidiousness of credit cards... It's very, it, the argument just rapidly falls apart. It's funny how you see it as empathy and I see it as like incredible nosiness and presumptuousness. Like who <laughs> the fuck are you to say I can't buy this? Like fuck you. Like that's kind of what's happening here. But it's like they're doing it at, the, at their own cost. <laughs> so I, I, I do, I, I think it is ultimately altruistic. All right. Uh, moving on from there. We've got, oh, I hate to even report on it but well, it made national news there was a shopify data leak but it was interesting it was interesting less than 200 stores were affected i they put out a statement i think they handled it really well they're working with the fbi 
And I think ultimately this is just going to lead to Shopify going ham on security. See, I don't think, I, I think you're wrong there. Because the contours of this leak was, um, we determined, uh, this I'm quoting here from their thing, uh, we determined that two rogue members of our support team were engaged in a scheme to obtain customer transactional records of certain merchants. So two rogue Shopify support people got access to the records of 200 merchants they were targeting. Maybe those are the only ones they had access to. I don't know. And we're getting the customer data. They I were mean, exporting, yeah, the customer data with, with the assumption that it was to sell it. But it says that they didn't get payment information. They they, they want to build an email list out it out of it or and sell it. Uh, or like you export all those emails, you make that a custom audience at Facebook. Now I can retarget those people. Oh, well, and then I start a similar store. But it's like complete, uh, complete. Yeah, again, this would be just guessing as to why you would want to do this. Complete payment card numbers or other sensitive personal or financial information was not part of the incident. So it's not like they were stealing their credit cards. No, this was not financial fraud. It was it's data fraud. It's data fraud. But so this thing where you're, you're like Shopify is going to go crazy on security now. It's going to be everything's going to be like two factor. Well, this is a violation crazy. of GDPR. But it's like in Europe, this is a real problem. It's an internal Shopify issue, though. It well, wasn't like on the end users. So I think their their processes will get. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll tighten up internal processes and security controls. The but I my hope is so Shopify has this internal change log, but it's it's fairly limited in its reporting. I would love just like so you could just do nonstop finger pointing as to who broke what, right? Like here is just one universal log for the store of who touched what when in the store. Mm -hmm. And then that would also you know that transparency also enforces some honesty in that like, hey, why'd you export all my all my my customer data? The <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, individual contractor and then they'll be like, "Uh, it was an accident?" I don't know, that's if like, I ask my kids. Uh, Mom said it was okay? Uh, I have a weird question here. In the thing that they stated um, of these people, we immediately terminated these individuals' access to our Shopify network and referred the incident to law enforcement. Does the phrasing, it doesn't say that they fired them, mean anything? Because to me, does that mean they were just like contract, like support contractors and not official shopify employees well or am i just being just reading too deep into it i think you're reading too deep into okay. it like whether they were i said you know Instead, in the it, u.s it doesn't, it doesn't it's say like, well are they 1099 or w2 and i think in this instance who cares that's true but i just feel like you know oh our it, it's a bad it's a worse look for shopify if it's like yeah it's our support team which is like this center of freelancers that we outsource to and oh. like those people have access to all the customer data like, ugh, they weren't even official Shopify employees in the building. Well, everyone's... You know, everyone's working from home. Everyone's Metaphorically from home anyway. in the building. You know what I mean. Uh, I for I think that's subjective, but for me personally, I don't think it makes a difference. All right. Also, I'm in a position where uh, I like contractors. <laughs> Again, and I'm I not, am a contractor. I'm not saying it's... You know, you know what I mean. Yes. No, I don't think that... I don't think that it has any bearing on it. I think the important part is they were tra they were entirely transparent about it. They immediately put out a statement detailed. Here's exactly what happened. Here's what we're doing about it. And that's like when you have an incident like this, you know, what more do you want? And none of the credit cards got out. No, it was. I really think this was about, you know, the value is the value. The core value in a Internet business is the list and uh, misguided 
as these individuals were, they saw that and stole and said, well, okay, let's take, we can sneak the valuable part out. It's just a CSV. Who care? Who gonna, it's just, we just need that C, it's okay. It's fine. And no, like now that, I'm sure they just fed it to themselves. And now the FBI, you know, is like, how are you doing? Oh, you yeah. Know, the worst but- part is I had, uh, I had a sound effect on the soundboard that was a guy going, FBI, open up. And I'm like, what am I ever going to use this? And I took it off. That's and definitely the worst part. That's the worst part about yeah, this. 100%. That you, that you have a sound you weren't able to use. Yeah, you know what I replaced it with? You don't know the power of the dark side. Do you just, you know, I realize we're working from home, so we're taking things a lot easier. Do you just spend time just uploading things to the soundboard all day? Is that most of your day? So, my... Are you on, like, the CompuServe wave <laughs> file forum? Because I spent a lot of time on there back in 93, 92, 93. I will now think to myself, like, oh, you know, X you know, theme, like brand license, whatever, or X fandom probably has cool soundboards. And now I'll Google them. So I had Googled Star Trek soundboard, Star Wars now, Rick and Morty soundboard, right? And that's, and then a K, I'll also just look like, yeah, what are some top sound effects? And I'll try and get those too. Now I just, I want to keep it interesting for you, all right? And I, the thing is too fun. I'm, it's not going to stop. Resistance is futile. Still on the Star Trek. I'm so sorry. Uh, a guy got arrested. I don't know who this is or anything right, about so the, it. This you is ver- unrelated to the data breach we just discussed. You were very excited about Moving this. Moving on no from clue. the data breach. The NS8 founder, uh, Adam Rogas, got arrested. So NS8 was a, um, amusingly, or ironically, it was an anti-fraud solution for Shopify to try and, well, for several platforms, I think, but Shopify was one of them. And it, it was a big deal because, oh, they had the, the biggest valuation and they came out of nowhere. It felt like they came out of nowhere. So clearly this is like the big um, anti-fraud solution. And the founder, co-founder, Adam Rogas, got arrested and charged with securities fraud, wire fraud, and fraud in the offer of sale of securities. Um, the, the FBI is the one who arrested him. So we got federal crimes here. Defrauded investors of $123 million. That is the, that's the, the charge. The claim. And this is yet another securities fraud person that you've hung out with? So, <laughs> so I, I talked about infamously my lunch with uh, uh, Ken and Carrie Cartwright from the income store. Uh, and then they were, they are now in a, they are in litigation with the SEC. Uh, in New York, I spoke at Shopify Pursuit, as did Adam Rogas from NS8. <laughs> as Adam from NS8 spoke there. And I, um, I, I, I took, we, uh, we both spoke the same day, and I, I talked to him a little bit. So not the, quite the same. Was he like, I got a sweet investment opportunity for you? <laughs> uh, no, I was not. He did not pitch me on his um, on a tremendous investment opportunity. Well, that's good. Well, I mean, it's like any time. I, I think Shopify and e-commerce is definitely in a gold rush stage still. That's what's going on. And anytime you have that, you just have like scammers coming out of the woodwork. I mean, we talked about this. Geez, almost a year and a half ago, maybe almost two years ago, about all like the drop shippers and all the gurus trying to like con people. Yeah. And like now the con, now we've reached that. Those are like individual cons of like individual people's amounts of money. Now we've reached into high level securities fraud cons. Right. And yes. And that is just by virtue of having a hot industry, it's going to happen. You know, in March when we were in February and March, when we we're worried about what's going to happen with uh, the pandemic. You know, one of the things I would tell myself so I could sleep at night is in business, you want to go where the money is. We are already where the money is. Unfortunately, if, you know, if you're a, a 
if you're a criminal or you're a sociopath, you have exactly the same thinking. You like if you're gonna rip somebody off, go to where the money is, mm-hmm. right? And I, you know, and it's just it's unfortunate timing that these things happened, you know, within I think within a week of each other, mm-hmm. but entirely unrelated and unfortunate. Um, but you know, I uh, just uh, just be careful, I suppose. So you largely, I was like, I'm not. I'm going to take 10% credit for this. We were talking on the phone, and I, we were joking about PageSpeed, about the PageSpeed Insights tool, and we decided... Well, I forget. I think, like, you made a crack or something about, like, we need to make, like, an anxiety tool or something. <laughs> it's like, they just need to see the numbers go up. It's like, oh, the number was high, so I feel better now. Like, because that's all it is. Yes. Well, it's good. This, there's a tool that's giving you... A, the, the issue with PageSpeed as a metric for store speed is... If I want a great metric for your store's load time, well, I could literally figure out how long it takes to load. I just ran one today. A store that got 17 in page speed loaded in 1.1 seconds and had a 3.5 meg homepage. Yeah, why are we? That's u- excellent. Why are we using a proxy that instead be of just me- a proxy for store speed instead of just measuring the store speed? Store speed. And on top of it, those speed page speed tet when you score it like that, those are like worst case scenario because it's cold load. You know, usually there's at least parts of it that are cached that don't get loaded, so it ends up loading faster. Anyway, we joked about um, we should make our own page speed tool. That's the the page speed anxiety regulation tool, and and you did it, and it was very funny. Yeah, so we yeah we cranked that out in about ninety minutes. I made a tool that you can put your URL into, and it'll help relieve your page speed anxiety. Uh, yes. So a couple days ago, I became aware that there is uh, Lego. A Lego Adidas brand collab in which they're going to release Lego sneakers. Adidas is making Lego sneakers. I am very excited about... That don't sound very comfortable. <laughs> they, well, they're not actually plastic. Oh. They're not Lego. They have they have this, the Lego studs on there and the Lego logo. And oh, on like the, the bottom? Co- uh, it's like in the, the back of the heel oh, the bo- on the outside. The bottom should be Lego studs. You know, I didn't look close. Maybe it is. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Anyway, these are like cartoon shoes. You sent me a link to them. Yeah, they're like they're like '90s uh, dorky dad type shoes. They're normcore. I like them. Uh, but the way if you if you're not familiar with these limited edition sneaker drops and like streetwear fashion culture, um, a lot of stuff now is everything's like a brand collab and it's limited edition and often these brand collabs are based on fandoms where it's like okay i know you like sneakers and i know you like the simpsons we'll just make simpson sneakers actual thing if you go to vans you could buy simpson sneakers right now and then they only do it they're like we're just going to make x number it's going to run from this time to this time and that's the end of it and for some of the really hot stuff you know because it is hyper limited it creates scarcity and obviously like this is all engineered you know if you want to just keep making them because they sell, I'm sure you could just run the license. But that's not how this culture works. It's got a clear start and end to it. And for the really big stuff, it sells out immediately, and then you can't buy it again. Like, if you want uh, Kanye shoes, Yeezys, that are also made by Adidas, and you go and you have to go in the Adidas app, search Yeezy, it will not show you a single shoe. It'll just be like, you could sign up to be notified if we release these again. Oh, jeez. That makes it, you want it that much more. Like, oh, I gotta have it. And so with the way these Lego sneakers, the way they do it, the only way to buy them, I had to download the Adidas app. I then had to agree to push notifications. That's like, I'm pretty sure that's part of the requirement. Pre-purchase the, and then I'd get a, I, uh, 
I showed up late, but you would get a notification when it, you're available to enter. Pre-purchase the shoe in the app, and then uh, days later, so it'll be last Friday when this airs, they'll have um, done a drawing, and you'll just find out, like, either you got charged and you get the sneakers, or you're out of luck and they're already all sold out. Isn't that bizarre? I hate this. It's very strange. And they don't do it with everything. They do it with, like, these select limited editions or collections where you'll get, like, a really a high-end designer who would do them. And they when, when we're discussing, like, just the level of demand this creates, uh, a, the, the Yeezys, the Adidas Kanye West shoes, the uh, Yeezy, Yeezy Boost 350, those were, I think they were 200 was retail. And if you get them on, like, eBay or StockX, you're paying 500 to 1,000. Probably like six, six to eight hundred is where it's going to sit. If, um, and then the like infamously the the off white Air Jordans. If you want to, those were you know uh, I don't know what they were new. Hundred, two hundred, two thousand dollars is what you're going to pay in StockX likely, which is a eBay ish site entirely just devoted to streetwear. Huge culture, um, but uh, uh, and then. And you get sucked into it. So after I'd already potentially prepaid these shoes, I then signed up for notifications for the next limited one, which were Boba Fett Star Wars sneakers for a hundred something bucks. So I, it, that's like, I know a hundred percent what's going on and completely fell for all of it. That's very much a trap here. My point though, is you can apply, you can leverage these ideas. And I keep thinking more and more about it, especially after this Adidas thing. Well, Hoonigan does this too, don't they? Hoonigan like does this. Drops? The one that I really like, yeah, Hoonigan does it. Um, that's a good example. We'll run through that and how you could use that for Black Friday. And um, Adam's Polishes. Oh, yeah, totally. They do do it to a phenomenal degree. And I posted this in the Facebook group. They did a full homepage takeover of their limited edition pumpkin spice detailing supplies. Does it smell like pumpkin spice? Yes. Ugh. So it's got like a pumpkin spice label and pumpkin spice scent. On some of them, they change the color. And the advantage here is like fundamentally, cleaning supplies are a commodity good and a consumable good. So you're very reliant on, on repeat customer purchases. If you can do a special edition or limited edition version of your best-selling products that you know your best customers are very likely to already buy, then... You have an op you have given them the excuse and opportunity and reason to buy the same thing twice, especially on a consumable good. So I have fallen in love with this idea and concept. I think it's great. And Adams does a really good job with it. They make it fun where it's like a full homepage takeover, like the logo, the header background, everything on the homepage changed to this really like fun fall pumpkin graffiti theme that just looks super slick. I like you know, they have the wonderful advantage of having great designers and a strong brand, but at its core, still consumable commodity good, but they like brought all this excitement to it. And it, you, they're leveraging those ideas from, um, sneaker culture from streetwear fashion. And I, having seen them do it, I now think like just about any brand could do this. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to go to the extreme they did, but just any limited edition brand collab that makes sense why not? Because it gives it, it, uh, it just create it creates urgency and scarcity in a legitimate way. I'm all on board with it. I like it. Yeah, I, you, no, I totally agree. Hoonigan, um, I, ag I agree with doing it in that it clearly makes money. I'm just saying personally, as a consumer, I hate it. Well, the, you the had an experience. I hate it with the, I hate the, the ultra limited thing. Hoonigan is doing it that they're like, 
I'm sure Hoonigan has en- and Adams has enough that they're selling it for a significant portion of the people are actually getting it. Yes. Whereas a significant portion of the Adidas people are not getting it. Yeah, the chances are I'm not going to get my Lego sneakers. I mean, I had this too. Nintendo announced a thing where they were, you know, it's like the 35th anniversary of Mario. And so they released Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which is like Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy. They're releasing them on the Switch. So I bought that because I'm like, I love those games. And I'm just going to give, I'm just going to buy games I already own again. And so they, I saw a thing they had on their website that was like, um, oh, well, we have this, like, all these sweepstakes and whatever, but we have these little, five little pins. It's a pin set of, like, the Mario 2D cartoon, like, how he looked in Mario 3 and on all the boxes in the 80s, like, how Mario was depicted. And I was like, and they were like, and you have to do these five things, and the hardest one was buy Mario 3D All-Stars. So I was like, well, I've already done that one. So the rest are just, like, go on our website and, like, click on this poll. And It's like, funny to think of... Uh, um uh, the the curmudgeonly Paul Rita as being like, I want these Mario pins. I do. I did want the yeah, Mario. I'm gonna go, and I'm going to jump through some hoops to get the Mario well, pins. Su- it's just so off-brand for I you. I already did the hard one. So uh, the other ones where it's like, click on this link. Read it. Like, listen to the Mario music mixer. Like, download your fave of big JPEG, your favorite Mario. And I <laughs> At was this like, point, like, there's so much involved to do it. Yeah, I'm already thinking... That, that no it's it was literally click on five different links that's all it was okay. so i did all of those things and they were like all right well it's going to take a couple days for us to like uh but so the the pins don't unlock until like two days after uh mario all-stars is released so you might have to wait a couple days before you can claim them so i was like all right cool and so i just waited and then finally the day it was supposed to go i that evening was like, oh, I wonder if I can claim those Mario pins. I went and logged in, and they were like, oh, yeah, those are all gone. What are you talking about? And I looked, and I Googled on Twitter. and appara- You Googled on Twitter? I Googled on Twitter. and appara- Google's like Kleenex now. Yeah. They, uh, so what happened was they didn't announce the exact time that it was going to be released. They did it at, like, 2 Central, and uh, the entire Nintendo website crashed, and Whoa. all the pins were gone within the first hour. So if you didn't just like randomly check it at the right time and click on the link to get your code to get the pins, you didn't get the pins. They made an hour's worth of pins. Yeah, and I brutal. was so pissed. Right. Okay. So that's where this gets a bad rap is because it is such, um, is be- because of those, li- the, the scarcity creates, uh, this insane demand and then rarely can they ever actually meet it. That's, and for them, it's like, how much does a pin cost? To, pins are extremely inexpensive. That's the thing. I was super mad. If you were just like, Paul. Did they make 100 pins? 1,000? Yeah. We don't know. It's like, oh, do you want $10 worth of Mario pins? I'm like, I mean, I, I'm not paying 10 bucks for them. They're like, well, do you want to like maybe get free Mario pins? Oh, well, of course I do. And you're like, cool. And they just turn around and went, oh, by the way, you're not getting them. It's like, well, I wanted them, though. Yes. Like, you can't. No, it, and I think that the danger is that... Um, if you go to like the extreme experience, you know that we're used to with uh, you know a brand like Supreme, where it's like, oh, a push notification or SMS that the car- the sale opened, and a whole bunch of scalpers used automation tool. This is really yeah. this is why all the sneaker drops are in apps and or done by random drawing is because people wrote um, people would write scripts to just instantaneously buy it the moment it was available, as many as they could get. So that they would just turn around and then flip. They'd wait, you know, a month and sell them on eBay for 
uh, 5X markup. It's crazy. I mean, I I agree with the way Hoonigan and Adams do it in that they're like, we're doing a special limited edition. Buy it now because it's, at some point in the near future, we are going to stop selling it. I do not like we're doing an ultra secret sneaker drop that you need to jump through 12 hoops to get. Oh, by the way, you didn't get it like that. And you're not Adidas. You're not, <laughs> you're not Supreme. You don't have the cachet to do that. Anyone yes. listening to this. So don't try it that way. <laughs> or if you are going to make it or clear up front. Yeah. Go, if you're only making go, 10, hey, say you're I only making 10. Yeah. I got a hundred. When I sell out of a hundred, that's the end of it. Yeah. And that way you set the expectation. Um, and so if you want to do a pl- like you could apply this to Black Friday and the way Hootiegan did it that I, I thought was really brilliant last year. And I, I think I've given this as an example several times now because I love it so much. They did um, free gift with purchase. So it's like any order over $50 gets um, this limited edition lapel pin. The lapel pin could only be you could only get it as a free gift with purchase. There was no way to buy it from the site. There was never. Uh, and even better Every single day, the pin changed. And they told you in advance, like, hey, it's a different pin every day. But you didn't know which day it was going to be. So now, like, what um, doing these these limited editions where you really build up the hype in advance, and now they're, like, rolling. Like, let's say you've got different colors of a, a sneaker. You could do, like, a different color each day. And then by doing that, you really extend out that hype machine. And that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, we're let's all just get excited about, you know, ultimately the, a silly tchotchke but that's the fun of it. It's like, especially now where we're, we need that distraction and we want that retail therapy. I think that, I think this kind of stuff would, will work better than ever this year. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you do like, if you could think of five things and do like five different weird things every day leading up to black Friday, I think that would just like, people need something to focus on. Yeah. They well, need something to think about. Uh, we got, um, when this drops, uh, 35 days till the election, I think. And well, but the election will be over by Black Friday. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> if we're really unlucky. It won't be over till January. Um, no, like I think by that, by Halloween, I'm gonna be like planning out my doomsday bunker. I went to the weed store, got a lot of weed. I, I'm sorry, you went to the uh, the cannabis to the dispensary. legal cannabis dispensary the here in legal Illinois. Legal cannibal cannabis. Yeah, dispensary. and I got some like ultra. Indi- the one that Jim Belushi was at the, the opening one, for. Yes. And I got some ultra indica chill out and I am going <laughs> to chill out. Hold up. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. I know I have. There's just a pile of packages in front of my door. I can't even get the front door open. But if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? That's what Clavio is for. Clavio is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your list, send memorable emails, automate critical messages, and more. Way, way more. That's why more than 30,000 e-commerce brands like Chubby's, Brooklinen, and Keysmart use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, and less depending on third-party ads. Now, whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. And it's free to get started. Visit Clavio.com to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Talk to him. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's move forward. 
I want to briefly discuss uh, authenticity. We've touched on it, and then uh, we will dive into a, a Shinola teardown and wrap it up. Um, so with authenticity in brands, if I tell you a story about my life as a person and it is just wildly or factually incorrect, you would say, that guy is a liar. <laughs> At some point, if a brand becomes big enough, they just, like, they just get a free pass, and they could do what uh, Nikola did. If you're not familiar with Nikola, it is a... Um, it's not Tesla. It's not... <laughs> I know that name is ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's part of their scam. Yeah, so uh, Nikola is a, a Tesla competitor that was going to sell a hydrogen fuel semi-truck and they showed up out of nowhere and raised a bunch of money. Um, they for, signed a deal with GM. So, like yeah. A co-working deal with GM. Yeah. And they said, we've got, when they announced the truck, they said, hey, it works. And it turned out it didn't quite work. How did they actually achieve the well, demonstration it, of their semi Well, the first demonstration where it was on like a table or whatever. It was on, a, it was on the stage with them. It guy. was on the stage with them. It, so people looked very closely at the photos and there was like a cable running underneath a power cable. Yeah. So the, so the car was plugged in to something that it was running off of. And then they were like, no, 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 we're going to release a video that, sh that shows our car, shows our truck. And, and when so, we say truck is an 18 wheeler. It was an 18 wheeler. It was a semi. And, uh, so there was a video and you saw the truck going down the road. Note how very specific I am being in my language here. When I say you, it was a video of the truck, moving down the road and it didn't turn out that this was cg or a green screen no even better they just, how did the truck drive paul they put the truck on a slight incline and then just like pushed it put it in neutral <laughs> so it just rolled <laughs> across the screen and then when of course it was a silent running vehicle yeah it, had it was no, rolling downhill it had no engine in it and when they but they swore up and down that this was a real working vehicle from like the moment they unveiled and it. so when people called them out on that they were just like we never said the car was running yeah, we never said it was propelled under its own power. Yeah. I mean, that's like yeah, rules lawyer stuff like my kids do. They're like, well, you never said we shouldn't bungee jump off the third floor of the house. I'm like, okay, I didn't think I had to. But this is a very, I mean, but Nicola is like, someone's going to jail for that yeah, company. So when like, we that's say, different. All right. So when we say be authentic, we've established Nicola, like that's fraud. <laughs> that's inauthentic. That's no good, bad. All right, we've got that one in the NSA guy. That's inauthenticity. That's fraud. <laughs> At least they had a working product, though. Yeah. Um, Did they? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. I'm going to go with yes. The, uh, but then you get a brand like Madewell or Shinola. And Madewell uh, is, they sell, they sell denim, and it's this storied brand with this, this family it's history. 1937, of denim. we yeah. were founded. Salvage denim since 1937. Well, and it turned out the reality is, um, God, who was it? I believe it's J. Crew. J. Crew. Yeah. And yeah, in 1937, um, this guy writes in a a ink article that I will link to. Yeah. Wait, which is it? Buzzfeed. Buzzfeed. I'll link to this. In 1937, my great grandfather started a workwear company in New England called Madewell. In 2006, 17 years after the factory shut down, J. Crew relaunched a women's clothing company with the same name and logo, based on a 50-year history in which it had no part. Well, and that, and part of it is is made well in that it was literally made well in uh, Massachusetts, and like it, it's just fifty years of denim and workers' wear, and then the company went out of business, and J. Crew bought the dead brand name. And See, J yeah, the CEO of J. Crew, Mickey Drexler, acquired the logo and the trademark, uh, 
from the, the this company that was founded in 1937. And now it's just regular Chinese crap. But they're, I mean, it's like they're authentic, they're authenticity washing it by working it through being like, oh, well, remember the factory in Massachusetts in 1937 and it was built on a dream and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, it's just the same Chinese crap that J. Crew sells everywhere. But they have an authentic logo and company name on it. So you, now you pay more. Their website used to be madewealth1937.com. Yeah. That was how everything was just about the fact that this brand was from 1937. Yeah. And the question is like, well, is it? Because it really, it's like the brand name is, but their whole thing was pushing this story that that would, like it was theirs. And it really wasn't. And so, yeah, it's, it's authenticity washing. It's not, um, it, it wasn't true. But at the same, but like, is that fraud? No, probably not. It depends on like how they're presenting it. So this is where it gets squishy. I mean, this is shittier than selling things with Sezzle. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but and so before is we... it criminal? No, it's not criminal. Is it, it is it unethical and Im, uh, immoral? I probably. Is it gross? Yeah. It's, it, I think it's yes, gross. Yes, it's gross. It's like, well, for sure. I, the, and Shinola. So now we're going to do talk about Shinola, which is we're going to do a turn on their store. But I mean, Shinola's, oh, Detroit, Detroit, Maine, Detroit. That was we're their whole Detroit thing. That's all you heard about. All right. Well, the, the reason it's Detroit is because they, before they started the company, they had a focus group where they were like, all right, will you spend, I don't remember, it was like a belt. It was some piece of, it was a wallet. They were like, would you spend $5 on this wallet, period? And they looked at the numbers on that. Then they said, well, would you spend $10 if it was made in the USA? And the, oh, that got good numbers. And then they went, oh, well, would you spend $15 if it was made in the USA in Detroit? And, P, and that got even fine numbers. So they're like, oh, Detroit, Detroit's the winner. And so then they bought the name Shinola, which was a shoe shine company that went out of business in 1960. And hence the, the American phrase, you don't know shit from Shinola. Yes. Re literally referred to this brand that your grandpa would say to you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because again, neither of us are running around so. went out of business in 1960. So then in like 2011, a finance guy pretty much was just like bought the name Shinola gonna slap Detroit on everything. Now I could sell it at three X markup or like three times the markup I normally would because people uh, like that. The idea of that, I mean, it has no connection to any of it whatsoever. The is the company in Detroit. The company is in Detroit. Okay. They got busted by the FTC because they were like made in Detroit. Uh, it wasn't made in Detroit. Oh, so the FTC actually came down on the them. The FTC came down on them. Um, if you note uh, the header on the website, when we look at it, it just says underneath it, Detroit. And doesn't say <laughs> made in Detroit. Right. There's quite the implication there. They, like we're in Detroit. They Detroit. Buy, <laughs> they, buy a they buy stuff from overseas. Uh, in some cases, the final assembly occurs in Detroit. That's like, that would be like if Apple said, well, the iPhone is made in America. No, it's not. <laughs> like, maybe final assembly occurs. No, it's not. None no. of it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. They say, I don't know if they still they do. Say they designed say designed in California. In, yeah, Cupertino on the back. Um, but still, yeah, this whole thing, like, we're saving Detroit. We're amazing in saving Detroit. It's like a hundred, I think I read a hundred people work there. It's like, okay, a hundred people. You, you have a, you gave a hundred people jobs. You have a final manufacturing facility that is gave a hundred people jobs. You're not saving bullshit. This is all, this is all just, again, authenticity washing of a fake brand name that you bought with zero history, claiming you're sa saving a city where 99% of your business actions do not occur in. All right. So if I'm, uh, 
uh, well, the way Inc. Magazine described this, this, and I'll link to this article. The article is entitled The Real History of America's Most Authentic Fake Brand. <laughs> and the, the subheading, a mogul from Texas uses the country's least aspirational city as the backdrop for his next global lifestyle company, Shinola, the $225 million experiment in manufactured authenticity. So what's the, you know, why go through all this effort? Why buy these old, resurrect these old brand names just to borrow uh, some story and then try and uh, gussy it up as like this generational artisanal handmade thing, if, whether it's denim or timepieces, whatever. It's because stories sell. People love stories. And what always baffles me is when we interview, uh, when I interview merchants on the show, it's like, tell me your story, tell me your journey. And those journeys are often very interesting. And when I talk to merchants on the phone for the first time, I'll say, well, tell me, tell me about your business. How'd you get here? How'd this happen? And they'll tell me this really interesting story. And then I'll go on their website and I'll check the about page. And I'll check the homepage. The story isn't there. They completely leave it out. Whereas these, um, you know, these, these very, uh, well, Shinola, $225 million invested. They see the importance of a brand story. And they are willing to spend the money to get a brand story that they could say is theirs. And so as I think the takeaway is as a merchant, you don't have to go through any of these shenanigans. You have your story. Just tell your story. Um, and I've mentioned in the past story brand is like a really great framework. Uh, you could find um, their workbook and go through it uh, to to try and develop your brand story. Because I think it's important. Uh, any any closing thoughts on authenticity, Mr. Rita? We'll say don't lie, but apparently you don't receive any punishment for lying. So why not lie? <laughs> the, no! <laughs> well, I, this is not great PR. I, we were able to easily find the truth of these things and then talk about it yeah, true. in here and go, oh, that's not great. And then, like, Madewell's website used to be Madewell1937. Now it's made just Madewell. So I don't know how an much easier domain. They probably just didn't have the original domain. No, I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt. No, you're no benefit right. of the doubt for giant conglomerates for J crew. No, they, okay. Um, just don't lie. Like your own story is probably pretty good. Just tell that story. It's these brands that don't have one that like J crew doesn't have a story to tell. So they're going to adopt somebody else's. Um, let's do a Shinola teardown. Shinola.com. And do we know what platform this is on? I, it is it's not, not Shopify, Shopify. Based on .html being in these URLs. Well, and I, yeah, I looked at source. There was no slash Shopify anywhere. Okay. So, yeah, not Shopify, but we don't know what it is. And landing on the site, I am thrilled to see extremely clean main menu and header. And they have... A, their, their promo is a, a watch about voting... Well, it's a show that you voted. So you buy a watch? I I don't know. It's cut. Wait, does that say Detrola on it? Detrola is a one of their um, collections. Okay. It's like Detroit type stuff. So we're really just going deep on Detroit. We're well, again, people would people were willing to pay fifteen dollars for the pen instead of ten dollars because you had Detroit onto it. I see. So in the the title, Shinola Detroit. You write the logo, Shinola Detroit. The, the watch itself says Shinola Detroit. The implication, of course, is that everything is made in Detroit, and it isn't the case. It's assembled in Detroit I by see. up to 100 people at any given time. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I like on the homepage, it's not a video, but 
um, it's it, it's very bold. It's colorful. It's highly stylized, and it's like it it like a slideshow. Oh, I mean, I'll call it a video. Photos. I mean, it's like an animated GIF, but I mean, it looks good. Yeah, it's movement, which is good, but it's not a slideshow. That's different thing to different thing, but it still has movement. I think that's where our I think that's where we come down. Homepage movement good, slideshow bad because it's giving you one thing and taking another thing away. Yes. And then scrolling on down, they've got, um, they try and segment people, which is, I always think is smart. Men's watches, women's watches with two featured promos. They really keep it to like just a two column, uh, two column grid. And at any given time, they've made the elements so big. You really just have like, you only have the one decision at any time as you scroll through the homepage. And so first they try and segment us. Now they're going to show us their, their featured collection. I wish they'd showed us that first. I want more products. Um, you know, I think, I, I think their watches are, are good looking. So mm-hmm. why not lead with that? And I always find it very baffling when you're on an e-commerce website and you have to like hunt to find a product photo that should be what you lead with. Right. And then finally, like I'm over halfway down. Now I get to best sellers where I could see their best selling stuff. It's in a slider. I'd prefer it be a grid, um, but it's there at least. And looks pretty good. <laughs> and they've got there's a wish list i can wish list this stuff and a little bit of of social the final thing on here social proof where they've got a quote uh from a um what i assume is a shopper but who knows and a very clean footer that's a very nice footer it's oh. all just helvetica black and white well Looks but nice. also note the quote from the person is she's from detroit Oh, and she it's is. such a great expression of detroit it's a symbol of confidence a badge of honor and experience and an expression of the place I grew up in. Uh, as someone who grew up in Chicago and have gone to many Chicago Blackhawks games, I believe I am legally obligated to declare Detroit sucks. I see. Detroit sucks. Okay. Um, please direct your emails to Paul at Dark. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I, they, I would get kicked out if I didn't say it. Don't you live in the suburbs? It counts. Cook County. It's Cook County. You're right. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. As the sh- actual Chicago residents are like, mm, this guy sucks. <laughs> all right, going back up to the Better header. Better than Detroit. They've got, if you hover over you know, men, women, supply, it's a main menu. Good mega or, menu. That's a I mega mean. menu, but it, it's clean, it's nice, it's easy to navigate. One subtle thing they did here is it is all left aligned. So, like, my mouse goes straight down from the main menu to the, the stuff in the mega menu. And, like, a lot of mega menus have an odd issue where they'll kind of, like, you'll hover, and sometimes they'll close on you, and that can be frustrating. Um, this one does not appear to have that problem. So, well executed. And we they break it down, like, first by uh, broader collection, by intent. So, it's like men, women, supply. And I really don't know what the difference is there. Supply is like not gendered. Like oh, there okay. are like women's clocks. <laughs> You're right. Well, under women, there's a clock section, but so, so there's some overlap there, which is fine. Um, men shop by category. So which they're known clearly men's watches are their thing. Should we try and shop for some men's watches? Sure. And we're going to buy the Runwell Sport Chrono. It's got that panda dial. You like I you are a sucker for for panda dial. A definite sucker for a panda dial. On the so when you land on the the collection page, they've got a, a lovely featured lifestyle image that shows me three watches. I think that's smart. It kind of sets the tone, um, and it does a, a better job than uh, a. 
a product on a white background, which is what you would typically see in the collection grid. So I like to have these lifestyle images in at the top of my, my collections, especially for a lifestyle brand in something where you're selling a, a fairly expensive item. Like these watches are starting at 400 bucks and going up to uh, over a thousand. So non-trivial. Um, on the left side, they're not doing filtering, but it's got like a breadcrumb thing I don't know that I, I would heat map it to see if people use it. And then I got filters hidden and I got my sort. And if you open them both, it kind of breaks. You get two X's. Got a little strange on me. <laughs> and there's just, there's a lot of filter options. Honestly, I, I would prefer the way this worked was we just have regular breadcrumbs, and which I do, people do use. You should have breadcrumbs. Um, and then in that sidebar, do all my filtering down the side where that like extraneous weird navigation is. But, uh, but you wanted... You like a chronometer, right? So let's see. Can I use the filters to figure that out? I just want I want that panda dial, man. You know, I actually can't. Yeah, these filters. It's yeah. It's just like the the Runwell watch, the Monster watch, well, the Runwell Sport Chrono. You gotta get on mic. I'm on the mic. There you go. This is getting picked. That up. one's very directional. Well, blah. All right, so Runwell Sport Chrono 48 millimeters, the one you want, right? Yeah. All right, when you hover it over it, it has an add to cart button. I think that's a misstep. There's no way I'm just like arbitrarily adding a few things for $900 from my from the collection grid and then buying it. Mm -hmm. I do like that they've got this new arrival text. I think it looks nice. And so far, this whole site, really clean, um, and they've paid careful attention to typography, content. Everything's very consistent. No, it's really good. Uh, once we land on this thing... Whoa! What I love about this product detail page, this is the first page where it's really, that it has impressed me that I like, is the product detail page, where they've got this huge, wide landscape image where I can really see the details on this watch. It's nice. Yeah, the image is really big, really clean, really great. And I mean, it's got that thing where um, when you scroll down, there's all the information, um, extra sales information, but it keeps the product form uh, is positioned sticky and will just stick there to the top of your screen. We see that a fair bit on these very premium sites. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really good. I mean, you don't have to go back up. Uh, this watch weirdly has no reviews. That's suspicious. It says new on the, it said it was new on the collection page. New and they haven't shipped any? Like, it did says, we just happen to land on the site right when this thing came out? It says new arrival. Well, maybe it takes a while to get reviews. I see it's it's such a rough look when you don't have reviews. Maybe they should have done uh a, given a few away and got some reviews that way. I suppose they don't have to. The Amazon sellers know all about that. Well, one. the reviews going to say don't keep don't keep time good. <laughs> uh but they do a you know, this product detail page, they do a good job where we have alternating images left right as we scroll down that really uh when you're you're selling a watch for $900, you need to go into the details and justify why this thing costs 900 bucks. And they do that with these beautiful macro photos and um, pretty good uh, text descriptions. Really broken up very well, makes it very easy to scan and read. And for presentation, it includes a lovely wooden box. And then finally, uh, anything else they need to tell you, they put in a tab description at the bottom where it goes details, specs, reviews. It's pretty nice. And then you've got on the side, you permanently have that, that product form um, with a another product description in there. And we could pay $77 a month with a firm. Yes, or 0% <laughs> APR as low as $77 a month with a firm. So less bad than a credit card. Now it does say starting at 0% APR. So that implies 
there are uh, for less qualified buyers, mm. they're going to get hit with interest. And I don't know what it is. Also note the movement in the details is made with Swiss and imported parts. Hmm. It's a little vague. Thought it was made in Detroit. Movement? It's a quartz movement? Yeah, they're all quartz. For $900? That's part of the scam. Because you're made in Detroit. You're paying extra. For a quartz watch? Yep. Uh-uh. The um, I looked the so the the monster watches that's like the monster collection. Those are like their dive watches. Those are the Rolex ripoffs. Those have a mechanical thing, but they're like two grand. The face on the on the dive watch, it like that is straight up a Tudor, which is one of Rolex's okay. brands. You know what's interesting on the product form? It's got the add to cart button, and they say you know, free two day shipping to the U.S., free returns, and if you click it, it links to a like. It it looks like a Zendesk help desk article about shipping and returns. I would probably make that a tool tip. Um, mm, yeah. They've got the add to cart button. Or just button. a pop-up. The add to cart button has no hover state. I think this is an opportunity to really like, to really polish this thing up, make it shine, you know, put like a nifty animation, a subtle but nifty animation on the add to cart button. Um, and then there's a note that's interesting right underneath the add to cart button. This item ships internationally. Hmm. So if that's a common question that, for you. Well, that might imply to me that some items don't ship internationally. I had that thought. Yeah. And then once you add it to cart, they've got this lovely drawer cart. It says, my cart is the title. I like that. Um, it's got all my info, and they did a cool thing. You can add gift options to the individual item, it looks like. And as an upsell, uh, I can if I, it has a link to compatible watch straps. And when you click on it, it's really good. I mean, I, just looking at the URL, um, obviously, again, this is not Shopify, but I mean, you could do this in Shopify. Um, strap compatible case, 48 millimeter Runwell Sport. So these are truly only the straps that will work. Oh, on yeah. That. It looks like it's, it's, it's like the equivalent of like filtered by tag. Yeah. It's, these are only, or the it's own, they made a collection. F oh, no, it's a filter. I could see yeah. it's a filter applied. That's the, clever. Yeah. These will all work on that one they, all, they, they say hey let's increase this average order value on this 875 seventy dollar watch by 50 to 225 dollars which is an outrageous sum for your watch <laughs> <laughs> um the so that like that's smart but you, when you're buying a watch strap the agony is well is it going to fit my watch especially for 200 bucks and so they're saying hey add compatible watch straps they're really they're suggesting it and removing the objection. It's, uh, it's smart. I want that dark cognac leather strap with the light stitching, but it's sold out. Oh, no, I can't. Also, it's... Do they have, like, a back in stock? It's also 95. I can join the waiting list by okay. giving my email. And I think that's smart. I, uh, I like any kind of back in stock notification system. I think that's always, that's always bright. Uh, and then they say in here they've got a subconditional logic your order qualifies for complimentary two-day shipping this is the thing we do in shopify stores on like a weekly basis where we add a little bit of liquid logic like if i know your free shipping threshold is 50 bucks then we put some liquid logic in like if cart if cart subtotal over 50 dollars, then display message your order qualifies for complimentary two-day shipping right so this you could borrow this in shopify oh, the, um, the gift options are just a message it should just say add gift message you're instead right instead of add gift options all right, and then when I get to the checkout, it is a it's a two-step non-Shopify checkout, so I lose interest. But what I think <laughs> is interesting about it is it I would suspect that they said, "Let's make it look like Amazon's checkout." Like, have you got to the checkout? It, yeah. That's totally Amazon's This is inspired by 
Amazon, right? It feels like it. I couldn't tell you. I think it is. Uh, it's a good site. It's it a, a really well done, clean, easy site. They're not doing anything crazy. They're just presenting you with the stuff. Great imagery. I think that's. I think that. And for as much as we hammered them on the story, in going from homepage to buy, we never encountered the story. We never encountered the story. The story is go all the way to the footer, company about us, then click there, you'll get the story. But other than that, no story. It's sort of like Nicola, where it's like, it's the things you don't say. If you don't say anything, no one can tell you that you lied to them. Well, maybe this was in res- this stuff was here, and then they went, you know what, because of the criticism, let's get rid of it. Yeah. Let's get rid of that, our, our stolen Detroit Valor. <laughs> uh, you need an easier to say word than authenticity washing. You know, it does, in fact, authenticity washing is great. I like it. It's accurate, at least. Today, Chanel employs over 500 people, with an average of 100 in manufacturing at any given time. We proudly design all our products and globally source the best components. Season manufacturers both in the U.S. and around the world. You're right. So, um, I suspect that this was much more... Because I remember when this brand came out, and it was like, yeah, manufacturing's coming back to Detroit. Oh, I, it like, was very clear this was like Detroit start to finish. I remember they had a big ad during the Oscars that they were just like, we're saving Detroit. Like, yeah, yeah, America. <laughs> and I was just, it smelled bad to me, and I remember Googling it, and I found that, um, that ink article. Okay. And uh, one of them, um, Peter Farrelly, like, mentioned it when Peter Farrelly won Best Director or Best Picture for Green Book. He freaking mentioned it during his acceptance speech. What? He's just like, this is, I got a Shinola watch they're bringing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Crazy. And it turned out, you know, we're just reselling. We're in Detroit, but not not what it, it not everything it claimed to be. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think that clearly they've walked that back, it seems like. <laughs> so. All right. Let's wrap it up there. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Please join our Facebook group. Search the unofficial Shopify podcast insiders on Facebook. Come talk to us. Uh, We would, you know, maybe you can ask a perfectly innocent question and then we'll go on a 10 minute diatribe about it on the show. Yeah. Does that sound fun? Don't you want that? You want that to happen? Of course you do. It's kind of fun. Um, Or, you know, comment on on YouTube or however you get the show. Anyway, we will be back uh, next week with lots more excitement. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. If you've ever updated your Shopify theme, you know how time-consuming it can be, especially if you have to migrate customizations like app installs or language edits. Fortunately, there's a better way. The folks at Out of the Sandbox built a tool that makes updating your theme faster and significantly easier. It's called the Theme Updater app. With it, you can update your Out of the Sandbox or Pixel Union theme with the click of a button without losing any of your old settings, customizations, or app installations. You'll get email notifications whenever a new version of your theme is available. And with the Pro Plan option, you can enjoy access to priority theme support, retain custom language edits, and view template customizations to accelerate your theme updates. Start updating your theme today. Go to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to see the theme updater in action. And best of all, if you purchase Flex or Turbo using the code KURT20, you'll save 20% and get a year of access to the theme updater absolutely free. That's right. Save 20% and get one year of updates and upgrades for free. That's code KURT20 for 20% off Flexor Turbo and one year free of the Theme Updater app. Never miss out on another theme update again.
If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.